What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to the Wealth Managed podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor at the American College. David, I'm sure you have also made millions of dollars as a crypto investor, as I have maybe <laughs> over the last couple of years. Now, let's take a moment and talk about crypto assets, because I think the idea is incredibly appealing to me that all currency is just an idea. It's a store of value, you know, paper that's printed that says $1 on it or $20 on it. It's all part of our imagination. We assign a value of $20 because everybody agrees that it has a value of $20. And any other asset that is finite that we all collectively agree has value we can use as a medium of exchange. Now, the value of Bitcoin is that there is a system where there is only a finite number of Bitcoins that will ever be produced. And it's very costly to produce new Bitcoins. So there is a value to it. And we all agree that collectively it has value. And the design of it is just so brilliant that there is a ledger where everybody knows the history of all the different Bitcoins and everybody is incentivized. The miners are incentivized to catalog that history so that there's a ledger of it. It is safer potentially than traditional securities, than traditional currency. It is free of government intervention. It is more anonymous. You know, there's, there's all sorts of advantages of using crypto versus using traditional fiat currency. Now, why would anybody not start transitioning their useless pieces of paper into a Bitcoin that we all agree has so much more value and is so much more appealing because as we know, governments are going deeper in debt. The, the value of this currency really depends on how solid that government is, whether they're gonna be able to pay back their debts. There could be this amazing period of inflation that's going to happen because the fiat currencies are being abused. Why not place your wealth in a different alternative store of value? Oh, where to begin? Where to begin? You know, I would say that you you had a few kind of absolute statements in your opening dialogue that I would disagree with. I think one of the most important things about crypto versus other currencies is that we need to realize it's not the government that backs the U.S. dollar. It's you and I, right? The government can tax the hell out of us. We would do whatever it wants. It can take all of our stuff to satisfy whatever it needs to do. And so that's why the dollar has value, because we give it its value. If the dollar was worth less, then we're worth less. We have an incentive to ensure it's actually worth something, right? With crypto, crypto is kind of like art, right? It's only worth what you say it is. Now, I will agree there is an allure to crypto, right? The problem is, is there's like there's a rapidly growing number of cryptos. And while some are finite, like Bitcoin, others are not. There's all these different structures. And so this question exists from my perspective of, does it have value? It does have value, but then the question becomes is, what is it worth? And that's where things get really, really dicey, right? You know, Bitcoin has gone up significantly 
over the last few years. You know, by the time this comes out, it could be worth nothing. It could be worth double. We don't know. But I think that to me is the hardest part of this equation is, is understanding its value and, and how you're going to use it as part of a, a means to buy something with or to invest in. It's not an investment. I think it's speculation. I think part of the problem is, is that everyone talks about it and it's really attractive to buy something that has the possibility of going up 10x. But I think to be realistic, it just doesn't necessarily work given its economic underpinnings in, our, in today's economy. Would you agree or disagree? Well, I think that there is a problem with speculation, obviously. And it is a bit of a catch-22 when it comes to Bitcoin, because if I spend it, then I may experience regret if the value of Bitcoin goes up. And a lot of economists have argued that it is an inherently deflationary currency, which means that Bitcoin will buy more and more the longer you wait. So essentially, if you can wait long enough, you're going to be able to buy more stuff with your Bitcoin. So Bitcoin actually provides an alpha. It provides an expected investment return and your ability to buy more stuff over time. But if that's the case, then using it as a currency, then the velocity of Bitcoin is never going to be as high as it needs to be for people to be able to recognize that it actually has value. So it's this catch-22 where if it becomes a substitute for a true currency that you use to buy dinner or buy groceries, then all of a sudden it needs to have a stable value. People don't understand whether to consider it a method of consumption or whether to consider it an investment. And it has no value as an investment if you can't use it for consumption. If it's just something that has theoretical value and a theoretical value could be $70,000, the theoretical value could be zero. It all depends on our collective willingness to assume that it does have some value. But then what is that value? What do you actually use it for? And that's been the problem with Bitcoin is that it's very prone to this recency effect where people get very excited. It's this bubble effect. When prices go up, they feel like they need to become part of the game. And there's regret if they're not part of the game. They should have bought crypto a year ago. They could have made so much more money. But is that healthy? And is that a problem, especially for young investors? Like my concern is, you know, there's already folks that want to start adding crypto to portfolios. I mean, who, who allocates the currencies to the portfolios? Like no one, right? And so my concern with crypto is that why would I want to ever use an asset that, as I said, oh, it's, it's like art. It has no underlying value other than what we all think it's worth. And so I think that to me is its largest problem where, you know, just recently they were all down 20% within a few hours of opening right? That's not something that individuals want to use. And so if no one's using it as a currency and people are scared to use it because the price volatility, to me, it's just pure speculation at this point. Sure, it could be worth something. I mean, China has their own cryptocurrency now, but I think that you know, for advisors, there's this kind of education point about investing versus speculating. You know, like from my perspective, when you buy a stock, you're investing, you own a part of that company. Bitcoin or any other crypto is more like speculation. And while clients might want to do that, I think that the context is important. That You can't necessarily really expect that, that you're buying this, this asset, i.e. crypto, to, to truly appreciate in value over the long term. Now, one of the potential benefits of crypto is that it can be efficiently transferred. We can turn it into an alternative for fiat currency. Eventually what will happen is those transaction costs will go down. But if that happens, then those platforms, those online platforms that 
will allow you to invest in crypto and use it to pay for your electric bill. They're not going to develop a platform for 7,000 different crypto assets. They're going to probably focus on one or two. And if there was ever a market where it seemed like one could dominate, cryptocurrencies are a market where it seems like ultimately what will happen is you will have the primary crypto asset and then you'll have a lot of secondary assets where transaction costs are going to be more expensive. There's just no reason to use those assets. My sense is that those ones, those secondary assets are going to fall eventually to nothing. I mean, there's there's almost no other alternative as the market progresses. Do you disagree with that? So I would agree, but like, I guess, but my one counter is like, I've never had a problem paying for anything before. Right. If I want to buy something, I mean, I understand why like drug dealers would want to use crypto, you know, but like if I, I, I transferred a bunch of money today across my accounts literally in seconds, like it's, it's easy. We don't have a problem, you know, buying and selling things today, you know, given the, the interweb and all these tools that exist. And so like, do we really need a cryptocurrency to help us do these transactions? Thanks, David. Great point. We'll be back in a second. The American College of Financial Services is dedicated to providing applied financial knowledge and education, promoting lifelong learning and advocating for ethical standards for the benefit of society. I'm George Nichols III, President and CEO, and I encourage you to listen and subscribe to this and other college podcasts as we continue to expand our horizons in this digital landscape. Remember, no matter what, we are always stronger together. Visit theamericancollege.edu to learn how you can be part of the change we're building. Deliver financial planning for every person and every need through our chartered financial consultant education program. Find the tools and skills you need at theamericancollege.edu slash chfc. Let's continue where we left off. Cryptos can exist in a world where governments allow them to exist. And eventually, I mean, first of all, it could provide fuel for a lot of illicit financial activity that can't be traced. That's part of the benefit, but that's also part of the risk of crypto is that eventually it's going to, governments have to crack down on it eventually. One of the reasons governments have to crack down on it is because if they can't trace it, they can't tax it. And governments the lifeblood is their currency. The power that they have is their currency. And they don't like giving their power away easily. So if there was a true substitute for the dollar and it started to become popular and people were paying for all sorts of bills with this alternative currency, the government will have ceded significant power. I don't see that happening to you. Right. No, neither do I. Like that's why there's there's all these barriers to making it truly something that works. And and I mean to your point, I like the idea of crypto. I think there are uses for it. It, it can be a viable substitute for folks that want to use it. The problem is like which one will emerge as the as the victor, and what is it actually worth? I mean, like is you know is it worth a, a trillion dollars, a billion? I don't I don't know how you define its value. So I think that there's like all these questions to me make it a highly speculative thing to kind of want to buy and invest in today because I think it's very much almost winner take all, but how do you pick the winner? And then even if there is a winner, what is the winner worth? You know, there have been markets, David, where assets that don't seem like they should be worth much end up being worth a lot and they stay valuable for a long period of time. I, a great example is Andy Warhol's prints. So there's nothing unique about them necessarily. They're screen prints, but 
they have steadily grown in value over time. They're now worth, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars. And it's because collectively enough people have agreed that they have value that they can actually store a portion of their wealth. Now, one of the things you can do with a Warhol is you can put it on, on your wall and show everybody how wealthy you are. With crypto, you, you can't do that necessarily. You don't have that sort of social benefit of crypto, but you do have this idea that as long as everybody agrees that it is value, if there's some attractiveness to storing part of your wealth in that type of an asset, as long as everybody continues to agree that it has value, then it has value. So I totally agree. So like, that's why I like it. To me, it is art. I think that there, that it is worth something, right? To, but, the, but the hard part is establishing that value that makes it attractive for people to own and hold. And I mean, it could be a gigantic number. I just don't have any sense of what that is. And so, I mean, does it scare me? It does because, you know, it feels like speculation. It doesn't feel like that people that I don't want to use the word investing in crypto understand it, but they're doing it purely because they hope that they're going to buy the next doge that goes 100x over the next year. This is Chris, one of the producers of the podcast. Is speculation in crypto really just an ailment of Silicon Valley leisure class? Do you think people who have too much money just say, you know what, let's create something that maybe the masses will play with, but certainly we know that it has value and we can keep it in these coins in this digital locked world for value for us and us only? I think that there is an element there, Chris, that you have pointed out where there are people who have a lot of wealth who can manipulate the value of these securities as kind of a thing to do for fun to show how powerful you are. But that power flex can impact people's lives. So there are all sorts of young investors who don't have a lot of money, who've gotten caught up in this, who are going to lose a lot of money that they can't afford to lose because they're putting money in someone else's game. Someone else who understands how the security is created, how the asset can be manipulated. You know, they're selling out at the right times. They understand when it's overvalued. Just for fun, they can push up the value. It's very prone to market manipulation. And that joy of manipulating markets, I think has been part of the story over the last couple of years that people can come in, expert investors can come in, they can do a pump and dump, they can get people excited about a certain type of crypto, you know, buy a bunch, generate interest, pull money out. That's what's creating the volatility. But this whole idea that there's something progressive about crypto, that it's allowing people who don't have wealth to get access to real wealth, it happens in a few instances, but so does lotteries. You know, they can do the same thing. But on average, people who participate in those types of games are losers. And I think what you're going to see is that this plays itself out in that same manner, that most of the people who get swept into it a little late are going to end up losing it. It's, it's a lottery. I think that that's, there's just a lottery effect going on here where a lot of people want to hit it big. I mean, it's very attractive to see what's happened with returns on some of these cryptos over the last year or two, and people want it on that. And so whether or not it makes sense as a valid investment, they think that, oh, if I can get a, a 10 or 100x return, that would change my life. I'll, I'll risk 5,000 bucks, whatever else it is. There is a darker side to this. And the darker side is that there are plenty of unsophisticated investors who get attracted to high recent returns. That's just a natural human tendency. When things go up in value, they become more shiny. We pay more attention to them. We want to become part of the winning group. 
And especially if you can feel like becoming part of that group is going to make you a somehow better person. So I'm part of the lucky ones who gets it, who gets the whole crypto thing. And I've actually seen people talk down to financial advisors and say, you know, you guys just don't understand the value. No, 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 I, I do. I'm hip. Maybe I should allocate a portion of my client's portfolio to crypto just so that I can maintain a veneer of slight hipness. Is that also a danger? From the American college's perspective, how do we teach crypto? Do we teach it as an alternative investment? Do we teach it as something that does have fundamental value that your clients should allocate a portion of their portfolio to? What is the appropriate way for a financial advisor to approach allocating assets to crypto and how should they view that as part of a client's portfolio? That's kind of like a bit of a hot mess. There's no easy answer there, right? I mean, I would only recommend an advisor to allocate to crypto to ensure the client doesn't make an even worse choice, right? So if door A is I'm going to give the client some money, 5% of the portfolio to buy crypto to, to make them happy. And door B is if I don't, there's a good chance they're just going to abandon the entire portfolio and put it all in crypto. Like that's the behavioral kind of better outcome. But in the grand scheme of things, I just don't believe that it's something that belongs in a curriculum because it's too new. And I wouldn't want to say, oh yeah, like we as an industry need to kind of allocate into this because there's so many things that exist that have high values that we don't talk about. I don't think it's not an investment that is easily understood and widely used. And so at this point, you can mention it offhand, but I don't want to make it seem like it's a normal or obvious thing to talk to all investors. Would you agree, disagree? I would agree, David, that you sound like a boomer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just don't get it, David. I just don't get it. I'm too old. Yes. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm David Blanchett. See y'all. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.